we've got a whole new historic dynamic going on now. If you'd have told me at any time in my tenure here that the Republicans would be 75% of the seats in the House, I would have said you were crazy. There's a building, not a war, but a, a kind of a battle over the soul of the Democratic Party in Kentucky. There are those who, on one side, are saying, you know, we need to maintain a From the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered, a behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com. I know we've been heavy on politics lately, but we did just have a very big election, and there's a lot to unpack in terms of the results and what it means for state issues in Kentucky. And so here to do that, once again, WDRB political reporter Lawrence Smith. Lawrence, thanks very much for joining us once again on the podcast. Happy to, Chris. Glad you asked. Well, just a week ago, we had an election preview episode, and I had noticed that there were TV ads targeting Republicans in the Louisville suburbs. Together, Matt Bevan and Jason Nemes went after them all. Nemes even voted to tax car repairs, but cut taxes for millionaires. There was all this talk nationally about a suburban backlash against President Trump. And to your credit, Lawrence, you seem to give a bit of a reality check, uh, mentioning that there are uh, a lot of longtime, what you might call ancestral Democrats out in the rural areas of the state who are not running again, uh, and that Republicans may pick up seats in the er the rural areas of Kentucky. And in fact, that is what happened. And the Democrats not only failed to pick up any seats in suburban areas, they even lost one in Louisville. That's right, Chris. It's, gonna, it's an amazing number, a staggering number. Listen to this. When the 2021 session begins, 75 of the 100 seats will be in Republican hands. And in the Senate, 30 of the 38 seats. So that is a huge majority on both sides of the aisle, and it'll have a huge impact, especially in the House, where there is what uh, Representative Joni Jenkins, a Democrat from Louisville, calls a super-duper majority. We were in the super-minority before. I say we're in the super-duper minority right now. Um, but um, we will work with the majority party. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the precise uh, uh, numerical uh, quant quantified uh, super duper majority would be, uh, but uh, it's a lot. It almost makes you wonder, uh, it, does the Democratic caucus even need to show up <laughs> because <laughs> you wonder how much voice they have in, in what goes on there. But still, you talk to her and several lawmakers on the Republican side as well, and there seemed to be a consensus that Although the Democrats are concentrated primarily in Louisville and kind of like in an urban island, uh, that Louisville's interests won't be ignored in Frankfurt. And the reason simply is that Frankfurt can't afford to ignore Louisville. 
And it's our job to make sure Louisville's not forgotten. And I don't think it will be. I, I, I think that might Here's be. Here's State uh, Representative Kevin Bratcher, a Republican from the Fern Creek area of Louisville. The fact that, that the rural areas are growing in, in the Republican Party and, and in the urban areas, it's the Republican parties are shrinking. I don't think that translates into will be forgotten. I really don't. Lawmakers uh, on both sides of the aisle, as well as someone you helped me interview, Mary Ellen Wiederwall, head of Louisville Forward, point out that Louisville is the economic engine of the state. Is one-fifth of the state's population. We are one-fourth of the state's jobs, and we are one-third of the state's entire economy. And so, so lawmakers uh, can't I afford to ignore Louisville, even though it's the remaining kind of democratic stronghold in the I'm state. Of course, it doesn't mean that everything that Louisville uh, officials want uh, gets through in Frankfurt. You talked to Morgan McGarvey today, the Senate minority leader, a Louisville Democrat, and he pointed out that uh, you know, Mayor Greg Fisher has wanted the ability to have a local sales tax to fund quality of life improvements for a decade or whatever now. And yeah. Louisville's had its priorities laid out pretty clearly for the last several years, and they've been blocked by Republicans in Frankfurt. Again, Republicans had super majorities on election night. They have super majorities after election night. So even though it was a good election night for them, um, they're going to have to come around to some of the things that, that will help our, our cities. No dice on that. The Republican Senate just doesn't want to entertain it. That's right. McGarvey pointed out that when Democrats controlled the House, they would pass local option sales tax, but it would always get stalled in the Senate. So he didn't expect anything different. Well, Lawrence, with such huge majorities in the state legislature, what do you think the uh, the GOP, uh, the Republican Party, might do with that power now that they haven't already done? Well, you have to keep in mind that they already held super majorities and can do whatever they wanted. Um, so that part will not change. Both sides of the aisle where both sides, both chambers, the Senate and the House, were both Republican supermajorities. Now they'll just be larger. So you wonder if some things pertaining to education that were stalled before might get pushed through. For example, funding for charter schools. Maybe this is me speculating. Funding for charter schools, maybe school choice, uh, things like that, that stalled even in the Republican-controlled House last year uh, might get a hearing now with Republicans holding 75 of those seats. That's one thing that, that could happen. Of course, the Republicans are holding their their annual retreat coming up next month, and they'll map out their agenda. But you wonder if some of those things that have been stalled in the realm of education may get pushed forward. Now, there are other things that, for example— the suburban Republicans may have a slightly different agenda than some of the rural Republicans. I know, for example, Jason Nemus has been talking about expanded sports gaming. Uh, he's been talking about medical marijuana. His job is to convince some of these rural Republicans who've just been elected that this is a good idea. He may get resistance there. So it's a whole different dynamic now on the House side. 
Of course, you're referring to Jason Nemus, the state representative from the Middletown, Eastern Jefferson County. Yeah, who fought off a strong challenge. A little bit of Oldham County. Yeah, he he fought off a strong challenge from the Democrats, as did Kevin Bratcher uh, in his his race. Both were reelected against very strong opposition from the Democrats. Right. Uh, You mentioned medical marijuana, and I know that uh, Nemus uh, worked hard on getting that uh, in Kentucky and and made a lot of progress, but it still fell short. Lawrence, what does it say to you that in Mississippi, over 70 percent of people voted uh, to allow medical marijuana by a doctor's prescription in that state? Do you think perhaps any Kentucky lawmakers look at that and say, well, uh, you know, we're probably not any more conservative than Mississippi. Well, polls, and these are informal polls, have shown that there is increasing support for medical marijuana in Kentucky. But so far, some of the key legislators, uh, Republicans, particularly rural Republicans, have not been convinced of that yet. So Nemus, who is the, the big champion of this, he had won over a lot of Democrats and a few Republicans. He thought he might get this passed last year, but it, it stalled because of COVID and other things. So his, his job now will be to try to convince these incoming new rural Republicans to uh, support medical marijuana, expanded sports gaming, things like that. That's why I talked about it being a whole different dynamic for some of these suburban Republicans. The gaming uh, sports betting space is going to be one to watch. Lawrence, I'll just put a quick pin in that it, I, I and you and others we've covered you know this supreme court decision about historical horse racing which has really upended things it's going to be very interesting to see how the supermajority republican legislature might have to deal with that issue assuming that the uh, state supreme court doesn't reverse course and uh, and overturn its own decision on the legality of historical horse racing, which is, of course, is very important to the horse industry uh, in Kentucky. Uh, so that will be one to watch. Yeah, exactly. And, and the reason being, uh, Chris, is yeah. that the, the COVID-19 pandemic has put even more stress on the economy. So lawmakers may be looking at ways to raise new revenue. And that is certainly one that uh, is going to be out there for them to consider. Appoint uh, Joni Jenkins, the House Minority Leader, longtime Democrat from Shively, made is that the state is in need of uh, tax revenue. We have a road plan that is woefully underfunded, and um, we have to decide whether we want to go without major repairs to our infrastructure or if there's going to be new revenue um Past. And those are always really difficult votes for folks in the majority. Her point is that Republicans are the ones who are going to have to grapple with solutions for not as much funding for roads and bridges and education and all of the things that lawmakers normally want to appropriate money for. And the Republicans have that super duper majority. And they have a lot of really uh, tough decisions to make. Well, that's one thing Jenkins said, that Democrats will continue to hold Republicans accountable, even though they don't have any power. They can still uh, use their mega microphone to to call out Republicans when they want to. I think one thing we were getting at a, a a minute ago, Lawrence, is that 
while Republicans have these amazing, impressive majorities, there's a lot of variation within their own caucus. In other words, in Kentucky, there's actually a fairly big difference between a suburban Republican in Louisville or northern Kentucky and a rural Republican. And they may, you know, there are real policy issues that they're going to have to work out within their own caucus. Yeah, I think so. Uh, It's fair to say that um, there are different priorities or different emphases uh, among urban and rural Republicans. I think rural Republicans are probably more socially conservative uh, generally. You can't make broad statements, but more generally socially conservative than some of the suburban Republicans who have to run against Democrats every year and answer for, for their votes. So I think that's one variation you could see come to play uh, in the 2021 session. But but make no mistake, the suburban Republicans generally are conservative. Uh, they generally vote uh, pro-life and things like that. So um, the, the, the gulf may not be as wide as one thinks, but there are some variations in some of these social issues. I think what we're witnessing or what we witnessed in the election last week, Lawrence, is uh, basically the the death of the remaining uh, embers of the Democratic Party out uh, in rural areas in Kentucky. And I think you talked to Joni Jenkins about reaching out and trying to understand uh, people in the rural areas of the state who voted for Republicans in overwhelming terms. But I kind of wonder if that ship has sailed. And what do you make of the party's future in Kentucky? There's a building, not a war, but a a kind of a battle over the soul of the Democratic Party in Kentucky. There are those who on one side who say, you know, we need to maintain our moderate stance on some of these issues. Uh, we, We need to continue to appeal to rural Republicans. And there are others who say, listen, uh, let's turn the the, uh, the keys over to the progressive Democrats, you know, people like Attica Scott and Charles Booker, although he is going to be leaving his, his house seat. Um, let's go full out progressive, promote some of these health care issues and things like that. And at some point, they believe that uh, people across the state rural and urban, will catch up with them. That's their argument. So that's the the battle lines that are being drawn, whether to uh, go full-out progressive and just stand for what we want to stand for or maintain this more moderate stance and hope to to bring more uh, rural people in that way. It's an interesting dynamic. We'll see which side wins out. Well, I think the second side, I think we might call Republican light. I don't know if that's uh, too uh, uh, too derisive, uh, but we certainly saw that Republican light didn't seem to work very well for Amy McGrath. We haven't talked about that, so let's touch on that. Well, yeah, um, but you got to keep in mind that when we're talking about rural Republicans, the folks in the rural part of the state, social issues are very important. Abortion probably being the top of the list, and Mitch McConnell effectively ran ads that talked about she was progressive on on abortion. So that, I think, helped kill her in that area of the state. So the question is, are are Democrats going to try to find, for example, pro-life Democrats to run in some of these areas? Or will they say, no, we want to maintain 
our identity as a progressive party with progressive ideas uh, on health care, social justice, things like that, and live or die that way. Let me offer this, Lawrence, and see if I can get your reaction. I think on the side of Democrats embracing their progressivism and and their being the you know the stronghold in the urban areas, uh, you might look at Georgia and say, "Wow, decades ago, it'd be hard to imagine a presidential race being competitive in Georgia." And look, Biden it appears to have eked out a narrow victory in Georgia. And my read of it is not that Democrats changed very many conservative rural minds in Georgia, but just that Atlanta and other areas in Georgia have been urbanizing so fast uh, that that is a new significant political force there and is going to be a real counterweight and the two sides are going to ebb and flow now from year to year. But I wonder... The question to me seems, was will Kentucky urbanize at that speed? It certainly doesn't seem to be. Uh, and um, I would love your take on that. I think you're right. I mean, Atlanta is a fast-growing metropolitan area, uh, growing much faster than is Louisville. You see the same thing, for example, in Texas, where you have Houston is this growing metropolitan area, Austin, San Antonio, even Dallas, these growing metropolitan areas where Democrats are are growing in influence, and you even have people moving from places like California to Texas and still voting Democrat. You don't see that, at least not yet, in Kentucky. Louisville is not really growing that quickly uh, to make that big a difference in state politics uh, that way. Now, you saw last year... Uh, the city of Louisville, Metro Louisville, helped propel uh, Governor Andy Bashir to victory. He won by like almost 100,000 votes in Metro Louisville, and that helped him, but he was also helped by an unpopular governor. So it takes those kinds of dynamics and individual races for Democrats to, to make an impact. Yeah, Lawrence, I think we can now see from last week's results that the uh, Bevin 2019 race was pretty well an anomaly that had uh, a lot to do with Matt Bevin. And I don't think Democrats are holding out hopes for a, a repeat of that anytime soon. Well, in well, they certainly tried. I mean, in, in the ads they were running, for example, against Jason Nemus and Kevin Bratcher, they tried to tie him to Matt Bevin and, and it really didn't work. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us. It's always great to uh, to chew on these things and so much appreciate your hard work throughout the election season. And I want to let our listeners know we're not going to become a totally political show. We'll give Lawrence <laughs> a few weeks off here, uh, but there's going to be plenty more to talk about, uh, especially as the legislative session starts up in only a couple months. Absolutely. Legislative session with a big looming budget issue uh, coming up ahead. You know, last year, they we know they funded a one-year budget because of COVID. Well, now they have to fund the second year, and COVID is still here. So that's going to be a fascinating uh, uh, thing to watch in Frankfurt to see what they do with the state budget. And I know you'll be there, and we'll have more podcasts on that topic and others. So thank you so much, Lawrence. All right, sir. No problem. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.